Well, uh, hello and welcome to Off Time Drive. My name is Tyler Pino. And my name is Michael Holler. My name is Tyler Andrew Pino. I forgot I was rebranding. Says it on my Twitter. Tyler Andrew Pino. Says it on my IMDb. Oh, that's fancy. You're going to be like all those famous actors, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. One of these things is not like the other. I don't get it. Sure. Yeah, I'm just like those people. I don't get it. So, like, let's talk about what we have not talked about in, in fucking months. Wonder Woman came out. Wonder Woman came out. I, the first successful critical DC movie. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. Spider-Man came out. Spider-Man uh, has just come out. Han Solo is having trouble. Han Solo is having trouble. What do you think about that? I'm not excited. I was never excited to begin with for like a Han Solo movie, though. Uh, you know, like, I was. I, did I was not need a Han Solo. Movie. I was excited for the Han Solo film initially. I mean, the whole story behind that film was that was the freebie pass given to Lawrence Kasdan because Lawrence Kasdan wasn't going to come back to write The Force Awakens. He didn't want to, and then Disney offered him the opportunity to make you know his own original Star Wars film, and he, and he went with Han Solo. He chose to do a Han Solo film. Weird. After that. Um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller got involved, the directors of 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, the, uh, the uh, not the Lego Batman. Seems like the Lego movie. Shit. Um, yeah, but I guess their whole shtick is the fact that they take bad ideas and make good movies out of them. Um, yeah, but the thing about, like, the other movies that they've made, they've been, you know... Slightly tongue-in-cheek? Not even slightly, like, 100%. Like, both of those movies, uh, or both of those franchises, I should say, were, like, kind of jokes, like... The entire thing was a gimmick, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, because I like 21 and 22 Jump Street. Lego Movie was my favorite thing in the world, but I get why people dig it. With Han Solo, I, I would love to see that version of the Han yeah, Solo Yeah, like a movie. Jump Street Han Solo movie. But, Slightly uh, quirky. I don't think that, you know, that would fit in well, with what they're trying to do. Apparently that, and that was the reason too, because Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they like to do a lot of improv takes. They like to do a lot of, like, messing around with the characters and what they say. Um, right. And apparently that didn't rub right. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, with uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Um, yeah, I've heard so, a lot of like hearsay coming out of it, so I don't right, know. Right, right. Allegedly, what happened was um, every time they'd do a take, they'd redo a take and try to, you know, just mess around with it until they got something that they felt would be right or, mm-hmm. you know, get to the point where you can assemble a good film out of all the footage you have. Right. Uh, it worked really well for the Jump Street. Pardon me. It worked really well for the Jump Street movies. Uh, it worked for the Lego movie. Um, but they, I guess, you know, with Star Wars, you have to be particularly concerned with what everyone says because it has to abide by this whole canon, this whole larger universe kind of scale thing. Um, and so they uh, they sent up Lawrence Kasdan to set to oversee the script since it was his script. Uh, and this did not both... Also his script, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence Kasdan, um, yeah. Lawrence Kasdan, Gary Kurtz, and Irving Kirshner. Three people that made... Irving Kirshner. Irving Kirshner. He you can't not sound drunk when you say it. <laughs> well, you sound drunk all the time, Tyler. That's because I am drunk all the time, Michael. But yeah, so I, I guess like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, this rubbed them the wrong way because it was essentially like a third director on set and I can see where that would come off. What kind of interested me was they're like, oh yeah, Ron Howard's going to take over directing now. And I was like, that's a, that's a yeah. shift. That is a real tonal shift. It is, but what, like... Was he involved in any of these movies? No, he was not. So he's just, it's just rant, like that was a random poll. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if it's 100% crazy. random, but they're just like, yeah, Ron Howard. Because, yeah, what a dramatic departure. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's like saying, yeah, we couldn't get Seth Rogen, uh, so we got so, Liam Neeson. 
We couldn't get yeah. We couldn't get Seth Rogen, so we got that uh, black lady from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> At least they still do comedy. Yeah, that's though. true. I was <laughs> trying to think of like another uh, large black woman actress, and that was the first. We, one. we couldn't get uh, we couldn't get Jay Bruchel, so we got Channing Tatum. Right. Yeah. It's like mm. okay. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's fascinating because like the director of photography, all the people I've seen from the cast, um, they all talk about you know what sold them on the project was Phil Lord and Chris Miller's vision. So it's really weird for all of a sudden the main two people in, that I guess brought inspiration to the project are now not working on the project. Well, especially because apparently they were two thirds of the way through the movie. So it's oh, like yeah, yeah. No, they've in. been filming since, like, March or something. Like, mm-hmm. it should... They're almost done. Yeah, it should hypothetically be only a couple more weeks. Yeah. So that's very unusual. Um, they made it seem like it was a somewhat amicable, amicable departure. I can't imagine that... I mean, I'm sure that they were, you know, being professional about it. And, but Not that, being it Joshua Trank about it. It doesn't sound like the kind of thing... Well, it, it sounds like a similar thing to Joshua Trank, except it probably not their fault in the same way that it was his fault. Um, well, they're just they're just bringing their directorial style to the Right. Film. It doesn't sound like they were just like, yeah, you know, okay, we're we'll we'll just all leave cuz that doesn't happen two-thirds of the way through a movie. You don't no. just say like I'm going to leave. Yeah, and my the, my first reaction when hearing this news, I was like, "Wait, but isn't the movie like almost done?" Yeah, and it was. So, I you know, I don't know, man. How do movies work, man? I, I don't know. So, yeah, we're um, we're confused and disappointed. I guess. I mean, I'm I'm bummed. Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, I would be a lot more bummed if it was a movie that I like was really dying to see, already. But you know, it's not. Uh, I'll still go see it and whatever. But it's like, yeah, Han Solo movie. Well, I don't know. I mean, I was excited about this whole Star Wars anthology film before I actually saw one of them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you, you imagine, like, oh, Star Wars is such a world of possibilities. You can do all different tonal well, and stylistic things. You get auteur directors and have them make their visions. But it's not going to happen. And we got Rogue One. It was a giant flaming sack of shit. I don't think it's going to happen until they've made that investment back over tenfold. It was a lot of money to buy a Lucasfilm. And now they're like, they don't. But I, I just I don't see why every movie has to cost $250 million. Like, yeah. why not just make a smaller one? Make something like Logan. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about with these Marvel movies. We'll talk about Spider-Man in a minute, but I just, like... Make something I good, underst- goddammit! Well, I'm, I'm not even saying that, because, like, look... these. Yeah, don't make the- anything good, goddammit. Don't make anything. Stop making movies! Uh, all of you! Movie... We don't need movies in the world. Um, Unless they're propaganda films. Um, okay, all right. This has been another Starting exciting edition of Off Time Jive. Donald Trump and Pepe the Frog... Thank you for joining us. We're going to kill it here before we get into even deeper territory. So what I'm saying is like, you know, I understand where Marvel is coming from when they're releasing, you know, the movies that they release where it's, it's, you know, $250 million. Like Spider-Man costs $250 million. It's a lot of money. It's it's a lot of macaroni, Michael. Uh, So you have to make a movie that, you know, hits, uh, checks off every kind of base there. But a movie like Logan, like $50 million, you could do what you want. God, you know, have you ever seen Bullworth? No. No? There's a scene in it where he's talking to the entertainment... It's a political movie, right? And it's political comedy, I yeah. I tried to watch that before and, and didn't finish it. There's a scene in the film where he's talking to the Hollywood entertainment industry, and he's just saying, like, God, like, what is it? Like, you get so many smart people, you sink all this time <laughs> into it, you put all this money into it, and you just, a lot of them just aren't good. 
What is it? It's got to be the money. The money turns everything to shit. Well, it does, in a way, because they, they can't take any chances. Once, you know, if they're going to lose $200 million, that's enough to, like, it's not going to sink the studio, but it'll be a major hit. It'll be a major loss. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to think of Marvel Studio as, like, a small film industry now, but, I mean, compared to things like Fox or Warner Brothers, like, I... I don't, like, Warner Brothers, like, no matter how many flops they have, they're still going to be around for a while. Well, Warner Brothers, yeah, Warner Brothers is never going to No matter how many foul balls Fox hits, they're not going to tank. Those are studios that have been around forever. Yeah. And they, you know, they know how to handle their money. They know how to, you know, hedge their bets. But what I would like to see, particularly from, you know, these genre films, is just something smaller. Something that you're allowed to take. A little bit more risk with Tyler. I think you're talking about Logan. I am talking about Logan. Like compare Logan to uh, what was the other one that came out? X Men Apocalypse. Oh my God! Like I'd actually forgotten that that movie had existed altogether. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because they came out like one after the other, and yeah. you know it's the same. Like one came out in like it's the same universe. Like yeah, I think like one month, right? Separate yeah, them. and uh, couldn't be more different. Like, yeah, one was absolute horseshit. The other one was well, like I don't even think it was horseshit. It's just no, it you know it's it's, it's not bad. memorable, and that's what I feel like. The, all of these major blockbusters, it's the more money that you put into it, yeah, the le- <laughs> the less interesting they are. I would much rather see like you know some of my favorite superhero movies. Like when I could think back on it, like Kick Ass and uh, what was the other one that was kind of like Kick Ass but wasn't as Super. funny. Super. Super was great. Super was made for like $30. Yeah. Dread was great. Yeah. Dread, it, you know, it wasn't a huge financial... Deadpool was great. Yeah. I think Deadpool is kind of... I, I think Fox is really going to turn it around, and it's shocking to say, but, you know, after Deadpool, I think Deadpool was the first time that, you know, we've seen a smaller... Because it wasn't small. It wasn't an indie film. Like no, something but like it was, was, what, a quarter... No, a fifth the size of the budget yeah, for X-Men Apocalypse. of the budget and you know as we've seen with that and logan again more money doesn't necessarily mean a better movie yeah what was the budget for logan it's gotta been like 48 million it it couldn't have been a whole lot more than 50 million probably the same budget as deadpool yeah probably around that what was deadpool 52 million yeah so it's it's probably around that uh deadpool 2 is a little bit more expensive isn't it i think so well 50 because 52 is that's very cheap so even if you're going to bump it up to like 60 or 70, that's, you know, a drop in the bucket compared to something like Batman v Superman or um, like Spider-Man. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about this Han Solo movie other than, well, it'll come out and I'll probably see it. And Yeah, we'll most likely see it. It'll be, it'll be fine. Um, God, I thought I'd be so excited about more Star Wars. I'm, I am super excited for The Last Jedi. I'm still excited for that. Yeah. Um, but I'll be a lot more excited once they start branching out a little bit more. Maybe the, maybe this will be a good thing. Because maybe Rogue One was just like the like a misstep. Maybe Han Solo would be really good. Well, I feel like Rogue One would have been a good movie if they didn't go back and do the reshoots that they did. See, I don't know. I think that they tried to hedge their bets with the reshoots I, and I th- make it a little bit more blank, well, I think, and it just felt like I there's think, nothing happening in this movie. I think Rogue One had like a bunch of problems conceptually, because, I mean, even things that obviously weren't reshot were still bland as fuck. But, like what, like, for instance? Like Jin Erso, her whole character. Yeah, but to be fair, like, 
Ray isn't a hugely deep character either. No, but she's Daisy just Ridley doing is, fun Daisy stuff. Daisy Ridley is charismatic as hell. Um, Jin Erso is just boring to watch. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I would have to see what the original script because, like, just that whole well, and, idea and, and, of like Darth a, Vader coming out and, and taking it's, people and it's out the in the jungle like, that sounded fun. Looking at the director, um, Gareth Edwards, right? Yes. Did Rogue One. Uh, the only I, I haven't seen Monster. I hear really good things about Monster, but the only film I know him from is oh, Godzilla, a yeah, exactly. 2014 Godzilla, and that movie was hollow. Yeah. Like that had the same problem. Where like, yeah, you had human characters in it, but it seems like they're being directed by someone who does not understand what a human is, and that's why everything came across as so cardboard and generic. It was just which is surprising because from what I hear about Monster, it's kind of like the polar opposite of that. It's like everything is human drawn, and I'm. I mean, maybe it's bad. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I again, uh, haven't seen it. But uh, I hear nothing but good things. But it's like, it was a human drama that happened to have kaijus in it. But they were a very kind of like peripheral element of the movie. Speaking of kaijus, man, El Rey, the network, was having a uh, Godzilla marathon this past weekend. Really? Oh, I love Where them. at? Their channel, El Rey. Oh. There's a TV. I thought, didn't they do like a Godzilla thing somewhere in the city recently? Oh, did they really? I thought they did. Well, the Japan Society had a Tokusatsu movie marathon, but that wasn't Godzilla. That was just like old Toho Studios films. Okay. Saw a couple of them. It was a lot of fun. So they did Toho Studios films, but no Godzilla. They did not play Godzilla. No, they did not. They played a Gamera film, though. That's like Godzilla. You mean Gamora? Nope, Gamera. From Guardians of the Galaxy. Nope, nope, Gamera. What was her name in Guardians of the Galaxy? Gamora. Like Sodom and Gamora? They didn't say Gamera? I think so. Weird. I can't remember that movie at this point. Did we ever talk about Guardians 2? I think we yeah, did. We did. Yeah, we I, did. I predicted the entire plot of it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I still haven't seen that. But, you don't uh, need to. You fucking know the movie at this point. Yeah, well, like, Guardians 2, I might catch it when it comes out. Like, I'll stream it or something. Because it looks pretty. You'll, on Amazon or YouTube, like a paid site, you're going to support the filmmakers. Yeah, well, if it was an illegal thing, I would just do it now. Why would I wait till it comes out? I'm sure it's up. Probably. Um, but yeah, I'll stream it. Well, no, because the reason that I want to see it is it looks kind of pretty. Like, I like the way that, uh, I like what he did with colors and stuff in that movie. Or maybe it's just the scene with the gold people that I'm thinking of and everything else just looked bland. But this was the first uh, movie. They, they changed their shooting style a bit. That yeah, Marvel they used Studios. a different camera, I believe. Yeah, something that's capable of, like, doing a lot of really fancy film work, which would be wasted Ari in Alexa Marvel for this? movies. Huh? Did they use Ari Alexa for this? For Spider-Man? No, no, for uh, Guardians. For Guardians, yes, they did. Yeah, it's a beautiful camera. Yeah. Well, they shot Rogue One on the Ari Alexa too, but that's, that's not... Well, Rogue One, they desaturated it. Like, yeah. they ruined that in editing. Yeah. It would have been a fine-looking film. Anyways. But... So, so take your pick. What, what, what are we going to shit on first, Marvel or DC? <clears throat> Let's talk about Spider-Man because it's more topical. I don't really have much to shit on about it other than it's my classic problem with like all the Marvel movies is it's boring. It's just gotten to be monotonous. So manufactured at this point. I want to see them go the Netflix route. Like I really love Marvel's Netflix stuff. Well, like Iron even, Fist wasn't have to make great, like... but I enjoyed it a lot more than I did a lot of these movies. It still felt like I was I like I like my visual media to look visually interesting. Well, I mean, it, not even in the sense where it has to um, abide by the whole Netflix route and be, like, dark and gritty or No, it anything. doesn't have to be grim dark. I'm just saying, 
give it some contrast. Do something with lights. Like, I was talking to somebody on uh, the internet. I don't even really remember where. I was probably arguing with someone on 4chan and or Reddit um, about why... They okay, it was fortune because they just posted a, a a picture of uh Peter Parker and Mary Jane in the upside down kiss, and I was just looking at that frame, and I'm like, I really do miss cinematic looking movies. Uh, just the things that are going on in that shot alone, it's like it's shot on a set with real things around them. And it's, it's not in a big yeah. green box. Um, they're using real water. Uh, you know, there's I... like. High key lighting that's really, fancily shot. It really, like, really quick thing. It really quick thing. Has, have Marvel movies ever had like raining scenes? No, they don't do that because they don't shoot in the real world. Very rarely do they. Like, I can't think of a single. I'm sure there has to be one. Um, in because like, the there's thing fucking I can, 50 of these movies now. Because the only thing I can think of. Oh, yeah, the uh, the um, in the first Thor movie when he goes and tries to find that that's that scene looks awful though. Kenneth Branagh, that that was not a very action oriented. It looked bad. Um, yeah, I feel like probably in Thor two there was there had to have been some rain because it was very gray and a lot honestly, of I was looking at like YouTube videos from Thor: The Dark World the other day, mm-hmm. and I like I feel like I haven't seen the movie. It looks so foreign to me. I'm like, did I see this? But I know I did. It's just the movie is so. Yeah, I remember very little about that movie. Bland. Well, I remember very little about Spider Man, and I saw it on Friday. Like it's just it's become so formulaic that. I sit in the theater and I'm like, I I've said, I don't know when the breaking point is now, going to be. No, to be fair, to be fair, this was this movie wasn't as predictable as something like Doctor Strange was. Doctor Strange felt a little insulting, I would say, because mm. it literally just felt like Iron Man. Well, in Doctor Strange, like particularly, well, it was the uh, classic like superhero origin story, so there yeah. you have that. But like, Doctor Strange had the potential to be to really break the mold. It, well, I keep saying, like, you have a character called the Sorcerer Supreme. Like, think of all the wacky things you could do, not only visually, but, like, with a story. I'm not saying tell it like Memento, but don't give us the same, like, checklist of cliches and tropes that we've gotten mm-hmm. in every single every other superhero origin story. Like, it's boring. But, even, yeah, even, like, visually, though, uh, that was, it was just kind of a bland-looking movie for me. There were moments. There were really spectacular moments, but... I just, there was nothing really, ter- like, inventive about the camera work. There was nothing really, it just felt like a movie, a standard it, it late, act, or late 2000s movie. It was colorful, but yeah, there was nothing, like, Shama dynamic. I don't like that it took place in, like, a like a bland-looking Asian monastery, and I guess that why? maybe just that's, you like... you don't like Asians? That's exa- fucked up, Tyler. Well, no, exactly, that's exactly why it is. That's why I'm happy they cast Tilda Swinton instead of a horrible, horrible Asian person. Um... It's the opposite of what I thought was true. We had a whole argument about that, like probably for six episodes straight. Because that's how I think we you're roll. still a little miffed about that. I am a little bit miffed about that because I think that Tilda Swinton is such a great actress and I would like to see her. And she was good. I actually watched Doctor Strange again recently, or at least bits of it. It was on Netflix. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the parts that I liked. Both her and Cumberbatch are very good with the material that they're given. Like, I'm just, there's little subtleties in their performance. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could see why these are two big meme actors right now. But yeah, the just. The setting of it was just kind of like I feel like I've seen it a million times the before. Pacing, the script, the, the pace, story. Well, it was it was everything you know, was lackluster and subpar, and that's why like it was so. It dull. was painfully adequate, is what I'll say. It was it was it the was most insultingly generic, generic kind of movie that you could ask for. Yeah, it was it was competently put together. It was just boring as fuck. Mm. 
And Which there's so much Spider-Man. potential with that source material. In Spider-Man, I've been going back in my head. Like, I'm going to say that I didn't hate the movie. Um, I thought, like, and this is what I'll say. It's like, I, this is what disappoints me is they always do it adequately to the point where people are never really going to complain, except people like us who are very into movies and expect something more. A general audience, like, I saw this in a packed theater at fucking noon on a Friday, uh, which is ridiculous that there were that many people in the, th- but they, they, they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Like, they hit every moment that they wanted to hit. And part of that is, like, the New York audience is always a little bit more vocal than, I mean, other movie Especially when the movie takes seen. place in New York. And this one felt like it didn't, which is weird. That's true. It took place in Maryland, yeah. D.C. So, and um, everywhere but New York. Upstate New York. What I'll say is there were a couple little moments when they're in Queens. Most of it took place in Queens, which was interesting. Um, but uh, there were a couple little moments when like, he's running around in Forest Hills. I'm like, yeah, it looks like Queens. But then yeah, everything was, else looked like really There was that like one really nice generic. shot in the trailer where he's like sitting on the balcony of like a, like a walk-up. And you mm-hmm. see the Empire State Building in the background. Yeah, like, oh, it's a lot of cool. Cool little queen shots. Um, and you know what was really funny? Um, there was a scene in the film where he is out in Queens, and there's no high buildings for him to like web up, and so he's just running. Well, I say this every time I have visitors to New York. When whenever we leave Midtown or the Financial District, I'm like, how does Spider Man do this? He must. <laughs> he's got to be such a localized hero. Like <laughs> he'd be fucked <laughs> if he's uptown or downtown. He's got Midtown and the Financial District. That's it. And then the boroughs, fuck them. Like, they don't exist. Well, it was it was really funny because there's a Staten Island ferry scene, and you're just kind of like, what's the danger here? There wasn't it. Well, I, here's the thing about that, is that was clearly, like, their Spider-Man 2 train scene. Like, no. I feel like there were a couple of moments in this movie where it's just like, we're going to do what Raimi did, but better. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fucking Mark Webb tried to do the Raimi thing, but better in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, and it just came out. Granted, I love Martin Sheen. I love Martin Sheen, and when you can make me that apathetic about Martin Sheen being shot, like I'm real, like that's real disappointing. Yeah, Michael is really all about Martin. Sheen. It's like he really wants to fuck Martin Sheen. I think so. I think he's like, it's uh, he calls Martin Sheen his waifu or his husbando. <sighs> Is that a th- You know, I was having a discussion with someone the other day, like, is that a thing? What? Because there is, like... Like a male waifu? Yeah. Is there one? Eh, like, in a jokey way, they'll say husbando. Really? Yeah. Which, it's... I mean, that's a real word in Japanese, sort of, but I don't think that's... There's there's another actual Japanese term for husband, but I, I don't remember what it is. Um... But yeah, no, like, the Amazing Spider-Man films, like, those are those are films that... Well, the first one in particular just feels so unnecessary and so contrived and that's kind of how a lot of points in this new spider-man film come off it just comes across as really contrived yeah like like i've seen the scene where spider-man goes and helps out like local bodegas and thing and that was in the first spider-man and that movie still did it better yeah like that movie feels authentic but this movie feels like it yes this is what i'm saying like i said this earlier it feels almost like a parody of a superhero movie well, because with Sam Raimi's vision for the Spider-Man movie, it feels very New York-centric. And granted, they only did, like, I think, principal photography in New York. But, like, all the scenes where it's the New Yorkers talking about Spider-Man. Oh, they did virtually nothing in New York. They shot, like, exteriors and stuff. Yeah, like, principal photography, I believe. Well, principal is, like, the bulk of the shooting, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. No, I, f- I feel like they did a lot more in New York. But, like, 
Well, no, but I mean, it's pri- can... I, that's why I think I don't think they shot principal. I think they shot principal in like Vancouver. Or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that I did not know. And then like exteriors. It's like Seinfeld. They didn't shoot that here. No, they shot that in L.A. Yep. Didn't they? Um, but no, uh, Spider-Man like feels very authentic. Like the, uh, like the scene where they're just talking to a bunch of New Yorkers and like, yeah, he climbs up the walls like a spider and like things like that. Like it feels yeah. very New York. I mean, well, like looking back on it, it, yeah, it's a little bit stereotypical, and I, I think that it's kind of an idealized version of New York. It, do, it doesn't look like my, it doesn't look like my New York where I live. Not my New York. It's not my New York. It's not my president. Um, I feel like Trump is probably from the the Spider-Man New York, actually. Because he's, that's what a I comic thought. comic book villain? Like, I have this vision of New York and what I thought it looked like before I moved here. And then the vision of just, you know, kind of mundane New York City. Right. But, I mean, like, that kind of, it captures, because, granted, the original. You get a lot more of that when you go to the boroughs. Granted, like, the original, when you hear. The original Spider-Man film came out right after, God, I really don't want to get into this. Um, it came out right after 9-11. And, um, uh, I they think, were done with filming. Like, yeah, no, but like movie Bob did a piece online called really that good. And he talks about it blob and he talks about uh, Spider-Man, how it was really the film that New York needed. Cause it has that sense of camaraderie and people sticking together. And that's what we all needed to see after a tragedy like that happened to New York. And it, it really fits and it really works. Um, well, it was very lucky in that regard in that the movie had the tone that it did when it did. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with Movie Bob in that. Uh, that was the exact kind of film that America need, needed. Yeah. Uh, with, but with Spider-Man Homecoming, like, it takes place in Queens. Like, there's a lot of, like, tropes in it. Like, him going to the local bodega and people going, like, why, you go to there? Like, the sandwiches are Yeah, him, like, like, arguing that, with uh, um, Donald Glover about yeah. where the best sandwich was. I was like, yeah, that feels That New feels York-y. like New York, but here's the thing, like... it. But everything feels so it doesn't, sterile. Yeah. And yeah. soulless. Yeah, it doesn't feel... It feels superficial. Like, these are all, like, little New York attributes tossed onto something that feels like a studio film. Yeah. Even if they didn't film most of the, the Raimi Spider-Man movies in New York, there are moments in that film that really feel like it takes place in New York. And I think that's more important. Like, this, mm-hmm. the Amazing Spider-Man movies, both of them, like, a majority, if not, I think all of Amazing Spider-Man 2 was shot in New York City. Um... Movie still, still a piece of shit. Like it doesn't sure. contribute. Well, anything Amazing to Spider-Man it. Two looked like New York to me. Um, like looking back at Spider-Man One, like it feels like kind of a fictionalized New York. There's sequences in Amazing Spider-Man. It 2. looks like a comic book version of New York. Yeah, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Two, like when they're shooting in Times Square, like that. Not the one with Electro, but the first one of the movie. That still like feels like the only time I felt like I've actually seen Spider-Man on film, like from the comics, just put onto the screen. What, the train fight with Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2? No, no, no. I'm talking about, because uh, like Toby always kind of felt short for me, not in his performance. I think it was more in the writing of it. It just didn't, it was more like the Golden Age Spider-Man and that's not the Spider-Man that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like I'm used to the more jokey, oh, quippy Spider-Man. you want quips, do you? I want it from you Spider-Man. Hypoth- you hypocritical piece of shit. No, and I, this is what I'll say. I want it from Spider-Man. I feel like they've been writing a, every character as Spider-Man in every one of these movies. But when we finally get to Spider-Man, I'm like, well, I've seen it 6,000 times because no one cannot be Spider-Man in any of these Marvel movies. You know, I don't... Including this one. Like, if it was just Spider-Man being the jokester and everybody else was at least trying to, like, pretend that there was a movie happening, it would it would have worked. That You need that contrast. You need 
to have some sort of tension you in the film. You need to have some stoicness to juxtapose his well, quippiness. You need people to take it seriously. Like, but it feels like a comedy film. Like, this is probably the most comedic Marvel film that's come out, um, and it feels like a straight comedy. Like, there are moments... Uh, I know the theater was pretty quiet when I went and saw it. Really? Mine, they loved, like, all of the jokes. <laughs> except for that scene where... <laughs> except for... Oh man, it was so painfully awkward to watch it because the theater theater was dead silent as we're staring at it. Um, that scene with Aunt May where they go to like the Thai restaurant, and she's making all the larb puns. Oh, she's like, "I larb you very much," and it's just larb, larb, larb for like four minutes, yeah, and rough. not a single person like I I could just feel it. Nobody cracked a smile. <laughs> they were just like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> why does Aunt May need to be hot?" And this is. Another thing um, that was strange because everybody's like, well, it's called Spider-Man Homecoming for a reason. Yes, there's a homecoming dance, but I don't fuck that. It doesn't matter. No, it's, it's because Spider-Man it's coming back to Marvel, yeah. This felt like the most unrecognizable version of Spider-Man that I've ever seen. I mean, I get that he was a quipper, and I get that he has that element, and that he was like a real high schooler, so that was there from the source material. But nobody... N- everything else was unrecognizable. Like, Aunt May doesn't look like Aunt May. Um, you Like, I'm not complaining about, like, the diversity casting of it, but it is strange that they made... The, I would have rather, instead of, like, making, uh, what's-her-name, Zendaya, like, this completely other character so people don't bitch, just make her Mary Jane. Just have her be an ethnically ambiguous Mary Jane and call her that and give her those characteristics. I don't give a fuck about that. But make the characters recognizable, and I also understand that this is the first, sp- this is the third Spider-Man that we've gotten in like fifteen years. So I mean, are you talking about? Well, here's the thing too, because if you look at the Raimi Spider-Mans, like Flash Thompson being the high school bully, is a very, you know, caricature version of a high school bully. Um, but James these Franco were also being, caricatures, yeah, but, here, but here's like in a different way. Being, being the James Franco like best friend, like mm-hmm. it, every everything was very stereotypical, but played into the film because the film was a very golden age spider-man thing everyone was a cliche like that and it was played so straight face that it came across as real mm-hmm. uh with this one there was really no discernible characters no they uh, were it was all just the same like new age 20th century screenwriting yeah flash, just... you know it'd be cool flash thompson was like a smart kid but he was slightly less smart so he's not like intimidating but he's like a bully because he calls him penis parker and like yeah that's sure why not it's more jokes more jokes. Everyone told jokes. When they're like, they're in the, what was the thing with the Washington Monument? Like when they're all about to die, he's like, good more trophy. I'm like, why are you undercutting every moment of potential tension with a joke? Spider-Man can be funny and these movies could be funny, but they don't need to be a fucking comedy film. Well, I just, well, and here's the thing too, like looking back at Spider-Man 2, people always complain like, oh, well, Tobey Maguire didn't quip enough as Spider-Man, but I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say I don't give a shit because that train scene where he's fighting Doc Ock is still great. Yeah. It is a very tense, emotionally driven And there was none of that. Scene. And there was no none quips of that. the whole fight. It was just an intense none of that fight. In this movie. And it was a fight that serviced the story and where it was going. It served a narrative purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a point to it. You have a perfectly paced fight where there's moments to breathe. You see moments where Peter Parker is being heroic and trying to stop the train. And then you see every one of those New Yorkers standing up for him because he's the hero they all recognize. This film, it it just kind of felt 
bland. Like it's, there was no watching soul. the movie it was, was a, a thematic, soulless film. Watching the movie was the thematic equivalent of fucking eating like mashed potatoes with no seasoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no, it, exactly. Yeah, it's it's like uh, well, it's sustenance technically. It's just it, it's like the shit that they eat in the Matrix. Um, yeah, the food paste. Like yeah, the protein paste. It's, it's, I guess it gets the job done, but why? Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like this is something where it's like. Now, I, I don't know about the director of this film. I know he did Clown, and I hear great things about Clown. I don't know who the clown. director was. I could not tell you based on anything that happened in the movie. There yeah, was no, there's no like every other style. Like every other Marvel movie, there's no directorial voice. It's They all look Squish. exactly the same. Arguably, there's a directorial voice in um, Ant-Man. Because you little see bit. little th- like thematic things that might have possibly been Peyton Reed, uh, possibly carried over from Edgar Wright. We're not exactly sure. It had a director to write a directorial voice. It just wasn't the director of that particular film's voice. Yeah. Um, like, this movie, it just comes across as, like, an assembly line product. Like, it's another Marvel director for hire thing. Let's hire this person and tell him exactly what to do. I'm glad that you brought up Ant-Man, because Ant-Man, it's similar to this in that it was a funnier film than they'd ever tried before. Uh, but that movie felt like Adisol. Like, and there was a lot of the same shit going on. Like, the villain was crap, and the story was just whatever. But I didn't, like, I didn't feel bored watching that movie. Maybe it was just Paul Rudd being magnetic. Charismatic. Um, yeah. But I, I, well, see, I didn't feel bored movie, watching that movie. That movie had more of an interesting dynamic because it was... I think was, it was funnier. I think it was actually funnier. This movie wasn't funny. It just tried yeah. to be. Yeah, this movie was... Yeah, so I saw it, and there were only, like, 30 people in the auditorium when I saw the film today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty quiet. Like, there was no big moments of laughter. It was just kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I laughed really hard at one particular moment, and that's after the uh, the field trip to D.C., and the one teacher was just like, I'm not going to lose another student. I'm not going to lose a student on a field trip. Not again. Yeah, we were talking about that before that, we started. And that and it I felt laughed. improvised. Yeah. Like it, it was um, really funny. But no, there were a couple of moments that I but, laughed. But something but... like Ant-Man. Ant-Man has more dynamics that are interesting, like... There is more of a constant dynamic between um, Evangeline Lilly's character, Michael Douglas's character, um, Paul Rudd's character. There is a heist element to the film, and heist movies are always fun. You know, like the movie, there was an emotional tone at one point where they're talking about the mother dying and why he, Michael Douglas tried to shield her for so much, and there was that strange dynamic. Like, there were more elements in there that would have made a slightly better film. This movie, you have Spider-Man, and you do absolutely nothing interesting. Listen, I will watch the original Raimi Spider-Man and still cry when Uncle Ben dies. Because it's just that well done. Sure. It's that well filmed, it's that well written, it's that well performed, it's that well executed. This movie... And I understand taking that out of this. I don't need the Spider-Man origin No, no, but I mean, again, like, but the like, movie has some sort of emotion. But replace it with something decent because like they tried to replace it with what Robert if? Downey Jr. and they made it like a father-son kind of a thing, but what I if? do not... What if maybe what I if, just don't what like What if we Iron focused Man. on the fact that Peter Parker's parents were spies? I'm gonna shoot you in the face. I'd completely forgotten about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, no, that movie didn't open with the Times Square sequence. It opened with 20 minutes of garbage of hot. It wasn't. Fucking it, it, it wasn't 20 minutes. Oh, it might have been 10, but it felt like a million. Yeah, let's let's use this current the first market Sony hour laptop and a half upload data via Wi-Fi in the 1990s. What year is it? Like, yeah. Oh, like, fuck it. Who cares? 
This is kind of like the, the, the kind of like Batman Begins was supposed to be kind of like not in a particular time period. It looked like it could be in the future. It could be like in the past. I'm thinking of like that subway sequence when the Waynes are still alive. I'm like, I don't really know what era this is supposed to be. It looks like Gotham City. Yeah. This movie didn't look like... It didn't look like Gotham City, but it, like it shouldn't have. It was kind of nice, like, in certain fair. parts, like, oh, that's Coney Island, that's cool. But, like, it didn't serve any purpose. But it didn't look right. Also, full disclosure, I did not finish the movie. I walked out towards the end. Yeah, you did the same thing that I did with Doctor Strange, and you just kind of left. You're like, I know what's going to happen. I don't need this. I need this in my life. Well, I was were, sick when I saw Doctor Strange, so I, I had an excuse. I realized there were bored. better things I could be doing with my time. I could be masturbating right I, now. Honestly, yeah. Um, hold on a second. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, you didn't. Granted, miss granted apparently, anything. like I walked out like what five minutes from the ending. Yeah, yeah. Five about. minutes. You you walked out like right in the sort of uh, beginning of the denouement. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So you walked out when like what? Spoilers, everybody. The plane crashed on Coney Island, and I was like, you know what, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the I end of the movie. I assume Spider-Man beats the Vulture. I don't even remember, like, how how he did it. I think the Vulture's just on the ground, and he's like, Spider-Web! Spider-Web! And then he leaves a little sign, like, at the beginning of the movie where he's Didn't you just bike. see this movie? I don't remember shit. Like, I remember highlights. I feel like I watched the preview to this movie. But when I was watching it, I was just like, I just don't, maybe I just kind of mentally checked out. I was just like, I'm so bored with movies. I really want them to just stop making superhero movies, I think. <laughs> At least stop making, like, giant big ones. But, because I was watching Baby Driver today. We also saw Baby Driver this weekend. It just felt refreshing, like I was watching a movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I really love Baby Driver. It was, um... And here's the thing. I was watching Spider-Man Homecoming, and I just kind of felt dead inside. And it's the same feeling I had while watching Doctor Strange and Suicide Squad, where things were kind of happening, and I just felt no emotional connection to the film. Well, because we've seen this exact same movie play out twice a year for the last ten fucking years But with now. Baby Driver, like, I got excited. I, you know, I got stressed. Like, there was tension. There was... It was enjoyable. I just want to fucking enjoy things again. Can't I just have that? Yeah, you just stop seeing superhero movies. Fucking no shit. Yeah, I'm just burnt out. It's, that's all oh. I could say. It's like I can't, I can't shit on Spider-Man to the degree that it was like a bad movie. It wasn't. It's just it's boring. It was just, just fucking boring. It's painfully adequate. That's all they're doing with these movies anymore. And like, see, like talking about that Staten Island scene, Staten Island ferry scene. Yeah. Again, like getting back to that. Where was the fucking tension in that? There wasn't any because there were like six rapid fire jokes. As soon as like I fit, I don't well, not know even who that, it but is. Like, yeah, the Staten Island ferry collapses and what the people fall into the. Granted, I don't want to go swimming in the Hudson, but there's no like immediate danger. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, I mean, maybe like you get you'll get wet. You, you'll have some people that are gonna die because you know there's a lot of people on the Staten Island ferry. Like, so some of them are gonna be like real fat and aren't gonna make it. All <laughs> But, and I feel like it was more of a really that entire movie got out of this. This is a really big boat too, so it would probably pull you under. I get like the whole thing where like Spider Man was like that scene for like what lasted like what eight seconds where he's trying to hold the fair together. 
Um, but here's my problem with that entire sequence. Well, there's many problems with that sequence, but primarily, like, it looks like a fucking video game. I don't think, like, he even had to be on set. Like, it looks like a goddamn video game. There's not a single moment of him actually doing anything. Well, not only that, but, like, that was a very, like, that that didn't feel like a heroic moment for me. No, it didn't. Because Because it's immediately undercut with Tony Stark. And that would have been a cool moment, but everything just... I didn't feel like anybody was in danger. Um, yeah, I mean, all right, so for those of you that, like, aren't in New York, like, the Staten Island Ferry runs from um, down by where the Statue of Liberty is in the Financial District, just Staten Island. From the south tip of Manhattan to Staten Island, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, what, half a mile? Yeah, maybe. Maybe not even. Um, in water, that's fine. It's not, I wouldn't. Don't drink it. Don't go I swimming would, in it if you don't have to. I wouldn't drink it. It's, it's not probably gonna not going to kill, kill you, you right away. You just get like uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like if you fell into the, like granted there have been points where like when the uh, the Sully Sullenberger thing like when that crashed that was the dead of winter people would have died of hypothermia. But well, I don't think people were I don't, I don't think people were worried about like drowning. I think well in that instance like oh my god now that the plane's in the water what are we going to do? It's like no. You know, five it's, minutes. I think that the problem like, would have been like if they crashed into the fucking water and gone down with the plane there's nothing that you could do about that. Well well the whole thing like the reason why people were being evacuated by like boats was because it was like what January mm-hmm. and people like you would have died of hypothermia because it's like 10 degrees outside. Uh, but this happened like what the middle of summer? It be in the water that long. Like, I, like that end of the Hudson? Yeah. Because in New York Harbor it's it's like a very vast. It's like where the island stops, and then there's ocean. But uh, but this it's it's just like where you, Sully like, crashed. It was just on the river part. Yeah, it was you up by like hundred feet. It would have been like twenty feet, not twenty feet, but you know, fifty to hundred feet on either side. You probably wouldn't have died of hypothermia right but away. This one was just like like I said. There's always going to be some people that die in that situation. Yeah, this this was just fucking. People that can't swim, people that yeah. are old, and people that are young. What? Like, there was no fucking tension in it. Like, going back to, like, they did the visual. No, it looks like a, a mild visual? inconvenience at best. Like, it, was it a visual callback? Like, when he tried to, like, pull the thing absolutely. back together absolutely. to the Spider-Man 2? But the Spider-Man 2, like, it was intense. Like, Peter has already been through, like, this massive fight. He was cut. He was bleeding. He was burned and everything. Well, the subway and was going to fall off the it giant was gonna track. fall off the fucking track, and everyone Those was going to die. Gonna die. And that was a really intense moment for him. Like, he was screaming. He it was looked like pain. it was going like, to tear him apart. Yeah, and that was a heroic moment. Mm-hmm. This one was just kind of like... Well, it happened. And then Tony Stark comes and saves the day, which also could have been a cool moment, but they're already joking. Like, even before the tension gets built up, they already relieve it. They're relieving tension that doesn't exist. And they do that in every one of these movies. Which I don't even... I don't know what's worse. Because this one had essentially no tension, not only because there were no stakes, but because there were so many, like, jokes happening throughout the course of the movie. It never allowed tension to be built. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's worse. That... Or looking back at Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where you have really intense dramatic scenes where like they're spacing people and it's really dramatic and dark and mm-hmm. well shot. And then you have this whole taser face argument and it just completely undercuts the last five minutes. Sure. And like what's what's worse? Dance like, up, bro. Having that tension and then like killing it entirely or just not having that tension at all. But what I'll give Guardians, at least the first one, Guardians, Guardians was, was a little bit funnier than but Guardians was just, like, frustrating to watch because you have something really good and then it gets killed. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was just kind of boring to watch because it's it's It was visually... flat the entire time. Yeah. It, it's yeah. visually not compelling. It's narratively uncompelling. There was just nothing going on the entire time. It's and again, it's, it's not a it's bad movie. Just... It's just flat and 
dull and it's depressing. And that's what it is. And I think that I think that people, um, when they talk about you know flatness, you're usually thinking about visual flatness. This was just like I felt like flat. I was dead inside. Because here's the thing with Spider-Man, you do want him to be funny. You do want him to be, you know, a smarmy jackass, like in Deadpool. Um, he's kind of like the same archetype as Deadpool, just not nearly as extreme. But every character in this movie was that. I cannot think of a single character in the film that did not make, like, if anyone had a speaking line, they had at least 12 jokes in the movie. At least. Uh, every single one of them. Except for maybe Michael Keaton. And, nah, he had jokes. I liked Michael Keaton in this movie. I wish he had more to do. I wish he had something to do. What really bugged me about uh, this whole thing was that, like, I just I did not believe the beginning of it where the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. or whoever, the Department of Damage Control, comes in and uh, they're like, we're going to take all your stuff. And he's like, ah, I've got this, I've got this shiny thing that I'm going to steal. And then, like, immediately after, he just zooms in as, as the vulture. And I'm like... At that point in the movie, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Even if he had this, like, Jatari shit, how the fuck would he know how to use any of it? Well, it, that one kind of felt... Another thing, like, it's not a big complaint, but it's kind of like a small reminder where it just kind of felt like Michael Keaton wasn't the vulture. What do you mean? Like, every time I looked at the vulture when he was not immediately showing his face, I'm like, Michael Keaton wasn't on set this day, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, it just kind of felt... It's just another like guy. You transition from like Michael Keaton acting scenes to be like pretty CGI sick of robot suits. Spider Man has a robot suit now. Everybody has a robot suit. Spider Man <laughs> has a robot suit. Yeah, more or less. Um, oh yeah, that, that was the thing I was going to ask. Like the computer thing, is is that a thing in the comics? Because last time I checked, it wasn't. I, not, not in no comics that I've read, he doesn't have a spider sense anymore. He has Siri. They've <laughs> updated it. He's got Karen. For the new age. And there were moments like when he's stuck in that warehouse and he's naming the the artificial intelligence in his, his suit. I'm like, oh, that's that's funny. That felt genuine. And I think that Tom Holland was a very good Spider-Man. I just wish that this was a different movie, like a different kind of movie. And I feel like they could have done that. But as this was never going to be that because not only do you have Marvel wanting to do their Marvel thing, you have Sony being like, please let us do the Marvel thing because the last one didn't work. The last um, three didn't Make work. it as marvelly as you can. We need all the quips. Speaking of uh, Sony making shit confusing, though, so do you hear that in addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Sony is creating the Marvel Universe? Um, that's not a joke. Oh, good. That's not a joke. It's it's the Marvel Universe, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and they're going to do Spider-Man-esque themed films without Spider-Man. So the first one is going to be uh, an R-rated Venom film starring Tom Hardy. Whatever. But here's the thing. Spider-Man can't show up in these because if they do, it'll qualify as a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, not a Marvel Universe film. This is the problem, is the people that make these movies just do not care about storytelling. No, they, they care about grand scheme pictures they, and bottom lines. Well, they, yes, and they're concerned with these rights. It's like you would think that with this whole deal that came together between Marvel and Sony, they'd 
they'd be more willing to work together. Like, why wouldn't you just let Spider-Man show up in the fucking Venom movie? Why, like, why is that still a legal issue? Well, the issue for that is not a legal one, but Marvel wants to have very tight control over the creative aspects of the character, and since Sony has complete control over Venom, they well, don't want to tell you exactly what's going to happen something. with this Venom movie is it's going to fall flat on its fucking face, and nobody's going to like it, even if it's okay. Um, nobody's going to like it, because now you're directly competing with Marvel, which everybody still has a huge boner for, um, which amazes me that, like, what, are we at least a decade into this now? Like, I get why audiences yeah, like it and years. whatever, but, like, critics are still so on Marvel's dick. This, this move. That, but the thing just did a thing. One, two, three. Okay, they're still on this, on, on Marvel's, like, this movie has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it, it, every review that I've read is just like, oh, thank God. It's the best Spider-Man movie that we've ever seen. I'm like, okay, I get that it's adequate. But, like, why? It, it defies explanation at this point that they have not gotten sick of this. Like, these are professional film critics. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But uh, we've, we've talked to, about Spider-Man. And there's nothing more that I can say. It's just like... I just, the movies, it's competently made and I was bored shitless throughout the entire time. If you like these movies, go see it. You don't need my recommendation for that. Just, just go fucking give them your money as you always do and nothing will ever change. Eventually, man, this, this, it just, this train has no brakes. It's got to stop eventually. So, well, I mean, yeah. Like Robert how long did Westerns, how long were like, Westerns a thing? A long time, buddy. And we got a while. Because like the, I, I agree with Steven Spielberg. Eventually, like the superhero shit is going to be the west, the next western where it's like it's just going to go away forever. Like they're never going to make another one for like the next thirty years because people are going to be like, no, those movies are all stupid. Uh, stop insulting my intelligence. But there are a lot of good western movies, but I don't feel like there have been a, an, an, a comparable a justifiable amount. Yeah, I don't think that there have been a comparable number of really good superhero movies. I can I think mean, of like can, three. Uh, well. Batman Begins, A Dark Knight, Dread, Winter I'll Soldier. say Dark Knight out of those. Um, really not Batman Begins? Love Batman Begins. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's good. It's a good movie, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it stands on the pantheon. Would you count like, Kingsman? I, that's less of a comic. Well, it is a comic. It is a comic. Movie, but it's not a superhero movie. I'm talking about just like straight superhero movies. Comic books, I don't care that they're, they started off as comic books because they could be anything. I just mean like the regular old cape shit. But because I can think of like three superhero superhero movies that I'd be like, yeah, I'll watch that whenever. Anyways, um, Baby Driver. Getting back to that, great film. Loved it. Very good. It made me feel alive inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed like the first ten minutes of it because the trains were so fucked you today. Sack of shit. So you missed the beginning chase scene. Uh, no, I was I was there like midway through the beginning chase scene. Oh, it was excellent. Bell bottoms. It's great. Um, yeah, it's going back to like a, a filmmaker with a creative vision and a directorial voice. voice. Yeah, it made me feel alive. I like Edgar Wright. I like Edgar Wright. It was really funny looking <coughs> looking back at all the trailers. Like, this take place in Atlanta because I missed the yeah. first one. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting that this is like everything shoots in Atlanta. Like well, literally everything. Film there. But this is the first thing that I've ever seen that like took place in Atlanta that I could think of off the top of my head. Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, Donald mm. Glover's Atlanta. 
I said that act scene. Wow. Um, it was great. No, it, it's a fun, enjoyable film that gets very dark at the end. I love it. It kind of reminded me of you. Have you seen uh, The World's End? Edgar Wright's last film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me in that, and like the characters go very dark places very mm-hmm. quickly towards the end, and everything just kind of spirals out of control from there. So that one's an interesting example, because um, I think that this movie, I was saying, I, like I said, I liked this movie a lot. I thought it was very, very good. It was just missing something, and I can't quite put my finger on what that something was. I think it was just something aesthetically, because mm-hmm. um, I think that it felt almost like a Tarantino movie, where it's like you have these criminals doing criminal stuff, and they're all kind of, like, larger-than-life people. Uh, I mean, I guess, but, like, the only time Quentin Tarantino's really done that is... Well, early like, Tarantino. Fiction, Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, like, the the first three. Um, Jackie Brown? Counting Jackie Brown? Yeah, that was about criminals. And a non-criminal. So... Who gets tied into criminality. So, yeah, no, this one was fun. It was it was fun. It was enjoyable. I loved everyone's performance. Jamie Foxx was so enjoyable to watch in this film. Mm-hmm. The movie did kind of confuse me because I kept seeing all the posters and trailers where it's like, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, John Bernthal, and John Bernthal's in like two minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care about that. Love I mean, them. there was something that was missing aesthetically. And I think that like... Edgar Wright, he has a very interesting visual style in terms of like the way his films are edited. I think he has a very interesting storytelling style. Lots of swish pans. There's a lot of fancy stuff in there, but most of it, it's not, you know, done via the camera. It's stuff that's added later. Like, I'm thinking about like the way that he was playing around with the subtitles in this movie, like putting them all over the place, and uh, the way that action would sync up with the music. That was neat. Well, I always think about Edgar Wright, and I think about... He always does these little, like, rapid-fire montages for, like, that last a second or two. Well, I always think about the way that um, Edgar Wright uses, like, diegetic and non-diegetic sound to, like, transition through scenes and really drive the pace. Like, it really... And they worked great for Baby Driver because it really got your foot tapping to certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was a really cool little device. What felt like it was missing a lot from this scene was... uh, I, I look at Hot Fuzz... And there's a punchiness to the editing. There's a lot of match cuts. There's a lot of scene transitions from the characters like staying in the same place um, or locations changing and someone staying in the same frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool. And this movie did it a couple times, but not too, not too much. Yeah, it does, it does it a little bit. And I don't think it needs a whole lot of that. No, it, I'm it just doesn't saying need like, it, definitely. But it, it felt just less styled. Right. I mean, it's super stylish, and I'm not saying that's a complaint for the movie, mm-hmm. but it felt less like an Edgar Wright movie and more like Edgar Wright making like a, a more yeah more accessible film. Yeah, and I think that maybe it looked a little bit too accessible because the way that it's written, the way the characters behave, the way the characters interact with one another, they are very like larger than life people. Um, every single one of them. That's why I make the Tarantino analysis or. Uh, Analogy. Analogy. Um, Where his characters, I like the way that they're written, but he paints with very, very broad strokes. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them seem like characters in a movie. They don't seem like real people. It's the polar opposite of the Spider-Man problem. (laughs) Um, Because this is where it works, where you can make somebody, you know, a little bit larger than life. Uh, I just don't think that the cinematography kind of matched that. 
You know what I mean? I feel like there's a certain grittiness to a way a Tarantino movie looks, or like the way, um, well, you like a Winding Refn like, film. Tarantino emulates styles. Yeah. So when you look at Kill Bill, there are a lot of things that Kurosawa does in his films that it, it matches. Sure, that. but I'm even like even going further back to like Pulp Fiction. There's a certain grittiness to it. There's almost like this, like I've called them this before, like, like beautiful garbage. They don't look like really polished looking movies there's a there's a certain imperfection to the way that they're shot kind of looks like an 80s grindhouse film kind of yeah Um, and i think that a lot of that just has to do with like i don't like the way that movies look anymore because color grading is just too easy so everything like that's a problem that i had with the marvel movies as well they all look visually flat um and this doesn't look flat it just looks like a standard movie most of the time and i don't think that that really complements the subject well, this is also considering that this is the same person who made Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and that movie mm-hmm. is the exact opposite, where that movie is very flashy and very styled. Yes, but in a very different way. Because, again, I think that Scott Pilgrim did the same thing where it was kind of like almost bland camera work most of the time. But that movie is something that's... There's a juxtaposition there. And it's it's that you have this very grandiose kind of cartoon story put against a very kind of drab, bland Toronto in the dead of winter background. You mean Vancouver? No, I mean Toronto, (laughs) where they have the Vancouver Space Needle. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, you have that, and it it makes sense that, like, all of the kind of incidental shots are going to be bland. What are you looking at? You're looking at something very intently. Oh, I'm just staring at the You look like a space. meme. You look like a meme right now. <laughs> I always look like a meme. Well, that's fair. Um. So yeah, that like it made sense to have like kind of a cooler shooting style in Scott Pilgrim because yeah. it's just it's normal people doing as you know crazy things. As you know, Vancouver more happening than Atlanta. Correct. Probably true <laughs> of both. Toronto and Vancouver. I, it, Atlanta's become a happening spot. It's Hollywood East. I I'd know, probably get work if I lived there. Because there's nothing else going on there. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know. You know, man. But uh, but yeah, I, I've I've seen Baby Driver twice with two different people, and both times I've had a very interesting uh, complaint come out of both parties. But um, but the complaints were. Uh, that the characters seem very inconsistent at the end. Really? Yeah. And it was the same complaint from both people? Same complaint both people. Well, why do you see movies with stupid people? Well, I mean, in a sense, I can see what they're saying, because the movie sets it up that Baby is very adverse to violence, uh, especially in that, I guess, spoiler, second heist, where uh, they shoot one of the the guards for the armored car, and he kind of has this, like, horrified expression for a bit. Um, but then he goes from that and then towards the ending where he's like robbing people at gunpoint from their cars. I mean, granted, you understand the circumstance he's in and the fact that he needs to do it. It's not inconsistent at all. He's still a nice guy when he's doing it. He gives that lady her purse back. Not the second, not the second time when he's taking the, the, the charger off those two people. Yeah, but the charger, those guys sucked. (laughs) Yeah. They were bad people. Yeah, sure. Um, looked like the guy from Breaking Bad, the Aaron Paul. (laughs) No. Um, like the real skinny guy. I don't remember his name. He's just like one of the thugs. And there's a scene where he's playing piano really well because I guess in real life he could do that. And they found out and they're like, we're going to put this in the show. 
So there's just a scene of them at Guitar Center and him playing like classical piano beautifully. <laughs> but uh, and then there there was complaints about like um, Kevin Spacey at the end. Like, why did he help him after he fucked him over? Yeah, I I, I totally get that. He seemed like the type. It, it would Again, these are like these are very broad strokes characters. So it yeah. wasn't like they were behaving in a naturalistic way. Well, I, you wouldn't expect in the real world Kevin Spacey, that sort that. of person, to do yeah, that. That's fair. He'd just kill him. It was, him, it was but... a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling though when he was like, "I'll deal with the cops. I told you to run." Mm-hmm. Like that was nice. Right, uh, but these are nice very sentiment. broad strokes, larger than life characters. And I sound hypocritical coming off of Spider Man when I'm like, "They didn't feel like real people. Fuck it." And I'm like, yeah, but they didn't feel like real people. They were great. <laughs> Fuck it. It's two different kind of, two very different kind of movies we're talking about. Um, but, and, and also two wildly different kinds of characters. Yeah. Can we just talk about every actor in Baby Driver was fantastic? Yeah, they were all very, very good. John Hamm was great. Jamie He's Fox never not was great. great. Jamie Foxx is also never not great. I don't know who that lady was who played uh, John Hamm's wife. Darlin? Mm-hmm. Monica? She was good. She was good, too. Kevin Spacey was great. Kevin Spacey, always, yeah, never not been Always great. great. Very good cast. A very well-casted film. Yeah. And the uh, two uh, leads, who I'm unfamiliar with both of them, Ansel but they're Elgort. young people. Huh? I know I know him, Ansel Elgort. A, he's, he's baby. Yeah, he's baby. And less expensive Morgan Freeman, because he didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. They look kind of alike. That's but racist. But only because they're both black. That's racist. <laughs> and ages? Yeah, I guess. They're both kind of old. Um, No, fun film. Perfectly enjoyable. It's something that got my heart pumping. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like... Um... It wasn't like any other Edgar Wright film I've seen. Yeah, and that's what you know. Something that I like about Edgar Wright. Uh, obviously, his comedy films—they were all a little bit this, similar. But I feel like since he's stopped doing those movies, like Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. this very different. I, he's he's a very kind of diverse diverse filmmaker and I think like an even like The World's End like that was a serious character drama yeah yeah it turns into that unexpected because everyone thought it was going to be a comedy and it ended up not I know a lot of people that hate that movie because it wasn't it, it wasn't what it sold on the poster and I can understand that much of it but I thought it was very well done it's probably one of my favorite of those Corn no I think Hot Fuzz is, is uh, Hot Fuzz is still, still my, favorite my favorite Edgar Wright film well, Scott Pilgrim like the, is my favorite Edgar Wright film, hands down, because it's one of my favorite films. Well, I know, um, like, Hot Fuzz isn't, like, the quote-unquote best Edgar Wright film, because there's really no character arc in that film, but it, it's just a movie I rewatched the other night, and it's just so much fun just to watch. Yeah, he's he's very good at, like, evoking atmosphere, and I think that's... Because Scott Pilgrim, like, the story of it, the narrative thrust isn't perfect, but it's just it's a fun little experience, and I feel the same with Hot Fuzz. It's like, if you really break the movie down into its basest components you'd be like well what what's going on in this movie but that's not the point yeah the point is he's an atmospheric kind of uh not even like an atmospheric that's he's style driven he's driven by a style stylistic filmmaker i like him works and he looks like i every time i see him i'm like oh yeah i forgot edgar wright looks like that (laughs) he's like a beautiful angel person he looks like uh he looks like uh Jack White, a little bit. They have the same hair. He's got better facial hair, though. I'm not familiar with Jack White. Jack White? You know the fat guy from those uh, funny movies? That's Jack Black. Jack White's from the White Stripes, you fuck. How do you not know who the White Stripes are? 
Oh, didn't they make Seven Nation Army? They sure did, Michael. They sure did. I don't, I uh, listen, and a bunch I, I of other stuff too. But like Jack White, he's one of like the most well-known musicians of the last twenty-five years. Cool, sick. Um, I like his solo stuff better than the White Stripes, although I like the White Stripes a lot. All right, cool. So Baby Driver, pass, fail? 100% pass. Absolutely. Go see it. Absolutely I go see it. agree. I've already seen it twice. Enjoyable both times. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman, since we didn't get around to talking about it. We don't really have to talk about that all that long because it's like ancient history at this point. Although it was the first well-received DC film, so props. I didn't... I liked it. I Actually, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I was like, it was, it exceeded my expectations. I didn't like it. Was, uh... She was a fucking sexist. Yeah, that's true. Here's one thing that uh, Wonder Woman did that Spider-Man did not. Felt like a superhero movie. Yeah, no, the one thing that I did like about Wonder Woman was the, um... Her convictions were very well founded. Mm-hmm. And showing her in the World War One atmosphere where there was that such harsh cruelty and brutality... That really motivated her character into seeing what she needed to see about humanity. And that was really well done. Yeah, there were a couple little... times in the movie I wanted them to be like, oh man, like really show that people get all fucked up in the trenches. And then in the back yeah, of my mind, I was like, that. oh no, wait, it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah, they can't. Um, but um, I don't know. Wonder Woman, it, it felt really Marvel. Yeah, it, well, it felt like Marvel at the good end of Marvel. Like It, it felt like a better version of the first Avenger. Like the, As in the, Captain the first Captain America movie, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll give it, yes, I think that's actually a very apt comparison, and of course there are going to be those comparisons because they're both World War movies, but, and, uh, I, you know, when no, they went into World War One, when they said that they were doing World, World War One, I, I was, all wars. yeah, I was very cynical about it, I was like, oh, it's just because Captain America did World War Two, and you don't want to, you know, make, the, well, that and everybody does World War Two. it's such a cinematic, uh, go-to, go-to, but, and nobody does World War One. I. I think that, Thematically, it made a lot of sense for this movie. Um, and it was, you know, as a turning point in human history, becoming like the really the start of the modern era was, you know, World War One and us learning to kill ourselves really, really well. Yeah. Uh, it was a completely different war, kind of war that had ever been fought. And, you know, thematically, this is a movie about people trying to end, you know, human suffering, people that that's their job. So, yeah, they're going to pop up then. But so, um, yeah, but like the, the things like with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman character, like showing her convictions, showing her motivations, like in, there's, in the very beginning, there's, there's a really good line where her mother is like, um, if you leave, you can never return. And she, she says something along the lines. Well, she like, says you may never return. Yeah. And, and then she says like, what kind of person would I be if I stayed? Yes. And like, that's she really good. She was a good. hero. Yeah. She felt like a hero. She and that's that- what was lacking in Batman v Superman. And also Man of Steel. It's like you really don't feel like a classic heroic. I understand that they're trying to do different things with those movies. But uh, the same thing was lacking in Spider-Man. I never felt like a moment, like that No Man's Land battle where she first, she's like, everybody's like, no, you can't go do that. We're going to have problem is past. She's that's like, where the movie peaks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Like it kind of, the third act is the weakest portion for me. Yeah. Where it just turns into a big CGI fight. Well, it's and it's just one of these things too, where it's like, it feels so. But I would have appreciated if Spider Man peaked at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just it it never got to that emotional level for me where I felt like I was watching a hero. Uh, a hero, yeah. 
Yeah. Like when she goes into the that no man's land scene where you're just like, oh fuck, this is the person that's here to save everyone. Yeah. And she's she could do it. I never felt like that with Spider-Man because he was just kind of cartoonishly incompetent throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the thing about Wonder Woman though is that like, yeah, the third act is horrible and makes no sense at all. Um, but just like a lot of it felt so done before. Like yeah, char- absolutely. Was it, it, he didn't those, break any new ground. With yeah, that the movie characters at all. hit those comedic beats. Are like, ah, oh, yeah, we're so funny. We're mm-hmm. gonna be just like Marvel. She has that whole scene. where like, let's try. Granted, out. I think there was a much better balance. Like I said, it, it it makes me think of like early Marvel. It makes me think of something like Iron Man, where there was a lot of jokes in Iron Man, but there was also plenty of drama to balance it out. It was just yeah, a well-rounded was, well rounded. Well, it was motivated by the character. It wasn't motivated by a quip quota. Yeah. Um, but with this one, there were a couple scenes where I just had to like hardcore roll my eyes. Where it's like, oh, she's trying on her wardrobe scene. Yeah, that was lame. Uh, how do women fight in this? And she tries to go through the door with the sword and the shield, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah, where that's not a, good. There were a couple of moments like that too, like where she's got the sword in her dress when she goes to like the the Nazi like, party. I want to say well, the Nazi party, the not Nazis, Nazis not. yet. Um, same shit. Uh, it's just those Germans, man. Fuck them. Fuck them so hard. <laughs> They're such nice. That you, we have a lot of listeners in Germany, as a matter of not a lot, but like, probably like ten or twelve. We get like a lot of European listeners. That's fucking um, weird. Yeah, I mean, thank you, but like yeah, absolutely. That aside, though, Good Wonder people. Woman uh, checkered history. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's to put it mildly. That being said, Wonder Woman. Um, okay, that fucking British guy, Ares. That was ridiculous. That was hilarious yeah, because it I, I was. was so useless and contrary to the plot yeah. that it might as well not even been there. Well, I don't mind that, like, the reveal that it was the British people, I but think, that But here's my that... point, like, why? If you're this fucking omnipresent being that can whisper in people's ears and, like, fucking reappear and disappear in the blink of an eye, why do you have to be a member of British Parliament? That just makes no goddamn sense. Um, yeah, that's where it was a little bit silly. I understand what they were going for and that they were saying that there's no clear villains. Like, we thought that the British people were the good guys the whole time and then turns out, well, no, the fucking God of War is... But that seems so forced. It's silly. It's a very silly kind of contrivance. What I thought was much sillier, though, was the fact that that's just who he was. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like he's just this nebbish little British man for all of history. (laughs) I'd like that wasn't a disguise. That's just what Ares, the Greek god of war, looks like. He's like a bald British guy with a curly mustache. Well, there's this point. There's this point too where he comes in. Because here's the thing. He helps. Like, was Steven Tyler, Steven Trevor? Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Yes, it was. That he was in the movie. <laughs> he helps out Chris Pine's character, and you just kind of look back, and you're like, "Well, why?" It is Steve Trevor because, like, I always like I always want to call him Steve Rogers because he's a Steve something. But yeah, no. But but he's like, "I'm gonna help you and your friends," and at this point, you're like, "But why?" Yeah, you have no agenda for this. There's no reason. There's no reason for you to be in Parliament. You could have just fucked off to some island and just be like, "Surprise, bitch! I'm the God of War." Nothing would have changed. Yeah, yeah, you could have. Like, and and it's like that's yeah. Like I said, it falls apart in the third act a bit, but uh, the stuff before, the, like the second act of the movie, was very, very good. And there were a lot of superhero moments that I feel like have been lacking in superhero films for years now it's kind of ridiculous that we haven't had a scene like that where i felt like oh yeah this is what comic books are about um and i think one of my problems with spider-man uh in the third act of that movie like his big moment is 
like you know, lifting never... the rubble off of himself. Yeah. My problem you know with really that like as a that? moment yeah. uh, was he's not saving other people. Like, it wasn't a moment of self-sacrifice. This yeah. whole moment, this whole movie was about him Growing living up to Tony Stark's expectations or whatever. Or his I own really... that he's... I, I really, really like that moment though, where he's like trapped in the rubble and he's like, "Help, someone help me!" Yeah, that was great. That like was I great. said, Tom it's, Holland it's, it's was one great of those in this movie. Where it brings back like, "Oh yeah, that's right. This kid is fourteen years old." Um, yeah. But like, you you never. And here's the thing: a lot of people shit on like Tobey Maguire's Spider Man, and fuck you, those people, because those Sam Raimi movies are amazing. Um, well, two of them. The two of them, yeah. <laughs> I legit the forgot there was one, a third one for oh a second. Oh my god, the third one. <laughs> It drops the ball so fucking hard, it's ridiculous. Like, and the third one, you have two movies that are great, and then one where it's just like, oh, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my fucking life. And then, but, but, but the Tobey Maguire, his Spider-Man, you always got a sense that his capacity for good was coming from somewhere deep in himself or he felt that he had this responsibility and this obligation to society that this is They didn't say with great power comes great responsibility once in this movie. No, and they tried to do it in the Amazing Spider-Man movie and they fucking fumbled it so hard it was laughable. Yeah, but it, like at least um, it was there. I always felt like there's, you know, Spider-Man is a tragic figure because he's so self-sacrificing. Like he has yeah, all of the potential in the world um to be you know, this amazing scientist, amazing person, and yet he feels compelled to help people in this other way. And it, it you know, it's tearing him apart inside. Yeah, no, I didn't feel That like didn't it. happen no. in this. That was not an aspect of this at all. There were inconveniences in his social life, but I think that part of the problem with keeping him in high school the way that they have, if you're going to get rid of Uncle Ben completely and all of that, then what the fuck do you have with this kid in high school? It's like... I don't give a shit if he doesn't make it to the prom. That's not a real problem. Yeah, again, like, they're like, he's going to miss the decathlon. I was like, I don't give a fuck. No one gives a shit. Like, people are going to die if he doesn't. Obviously, that's not, that's that's not a crisis. Even worse, worse, people are going to get slightly wet on the Staten Island Ferry. Oh, God, that would be tragic. No, like I said, there, you know, there's at least one fat person that would be dead. (laughs) But we tried yeah, to I evacuate just, this person, but they didn't want to leave their seat. There's something we about, got to we got to the ferry 15 minutes early to get the best seat. One of the classic complaints that people have when they're talking about like the newer DC movies, uh, in comparison to the Marvel movies, is like they don't feel like superheroes. But to me, like Marvel, they never have felt like superheroes. Iron Man did it very well. There were moments First in Iron, Iron yeah. Man. You know, I'd even go to the, say, Civil War, not to the fact that, like, these characters have clear convictions, but the fact that these characters feel tormented by the fact that they are superheroes. I guess. Um, Specifically Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. Yeah, okay, yes. Um, I was trying to remember what happens in Civil War, and I can't. But, like, um... But, like, with, like, but with, like, The Winter Soldier, which, I mean, The Winter Soldier was my favorite Marvel film, mm-hmm. and that's, again, well, it's not a superhero movie, it's an espionage film. Yeah. And it's a very, very good one with that. But it's a well I mean, you're, you're right. Film, it's, it's it doesn't a feel like a superhero movie. Yeah. It doesn't feel like him saving people because he's compelled to do so. It's just like, that's his job. With Captain America, what I like about him is his kind of fish out of water thing. Like, he's this idealized version of what America is and having to, you know, Comes realize that America, America is. isn't that. Yeah. Uh, so he's well, good in that really, regard. I think it's undersold in a lot of the movies, but I think it works really well in Winter Soldier. There's this really brief line in the first Avengers movie 
um, where, and maybe this is just me projecting here, but he, he says, uh, you know, like, how are you feeling? He's like, well, when I went to sleep, we're at war. And I come out, we're not. I didn't, you know, nobody told me yeah. what we lost. Right. And I'm like, are you talking about the fact that, like, the U.S. dropped the A-bombs? Because that, like, that's one thing I feel like, yeah, Captain America would not be cool with that. And I don't know it's if that's just me projecting that. that kind of thing, but... Maybe. Like, I feel like the real Captain America, who that guy would have been in that time period, would have been for the dropping of the bombs. I don't think that this Captain America would. And I, But no, that's absolutely what he was talking about. Not just that, but, you know, everything that's happened since. Like, where did that kind of spirit of... American, American exceptionalism coming from. Yeah. yeah, where did it go? Like, and now, God, I can't where wait. Where did so, it go? I can't wait for, like, a really good Captain America-esque movie to come out and talk and about Donald this, Trump where I'm just like, Jesus Christ, how the fuck do we even pretend anymore? Well, you know what's really funny is I rewatched Arrival last night, and there's a lot of moments in the film where, um, you know, people are talking about, like, you know, these aliens have been here for two weeks already, and the United States has not shown a show of force. And there's a radio host who is very clearly Breitbart being like, and he's like, this is a conspiracy, and the government is no, not right. doing is anything. We Alex Jones. Do he's doing his best Alex Jones impression. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, Andrew Breitbart wasn't that bad, actually. Breitbart, the company, got bad after he died. Like, it, that's when... Um, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon took over. Otherwise known as... Um, the Bantichrist? <laughs> Bantichrist. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Now, you know what's interesting that has happened kind of just for me in my life since we've been off the air and on hiatus and shit with all of this Donald Trump shit? It was like, I just, like when we were, when November, all of that happened, I felt terrified. Now I just feel annoyed. Yeah. I'm like, no, he's... What scares me is that, and I'm not... This isn't my sentiment. I'm stealing it from other people who have said it. I feel like the biggest danger here is that the next regime that comes along is going to be so much worse. <laughs> um, because now they understand, like, oh, shit, you could do that? And the thing with Trump is just, like, he's a cartoon, and he does not know how any of this shit gets done. He's not a politician. Um, he doesn't understand political gridlock and getting things... He doesn't understand propaganda. He's just very, like, oh, stupid. Yeah. He's a very stupid person. He's stupid and he's malicious, and it's a bad combination, but I, at least he's stupid. But he's not, he's incompetent. When the next person comes along that really wants to stir it's this kind so of, much, like, it, nationalism. It's, it's, it's not so much, like, hilariously incompetent. It's, like, frustratingly incompetent. Yeah. Well, there are just things that he, like, blatantly lies about. Like, he'll talk about, he, he, he just lies to the nation's face about stupid shit. Like, he, the man loves to die on the stupidest hills. Like, what was he talking about last week? Scarborough. Joseph Scarborough. He's talking about uh, him uh, and his co-host coming to Mar-a-Lago, and he wouldn't let her in because oh, she was bleeding right. yeah, from her face. From, uh, and there's facial... pictures of her that she's not bleeding at Mar-a-Lago. So it's like, no, you just lied about that, dude. Well, it's you, also like, like a kind of thing, like, certain people can be, like, really... You know, they don't want to talk about uh, having cosmetic surgery, and that's, like, one thing. That's, like, it's not as severe, but, like, that's that's essentially sharing someone's secret. Mm -hmm. 
and whatever. But it's like, what a stupid fucking hill to die on. Like, why is, why are you engaging these people? You don't, he still doesn't have any concept of the fact that he's the president of the United States. No, no, he's no. the highest position that we have. You do not need to lower yourself to uh, these people. I, even actually, if actually, the highest position that we have is Oprah. No, that's true. It's especially true in these dark and trying times. Um, <sighs> you know, it just went through my mind. What? President Oprah would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I would so support uh, an Oprah presidency over a Trump presidency. And I don't like Oprah Winfrey. She annoys the piss out of me. Fuck, honestly, like, anyone. Yeah. Anyone right now. If you could be, like, Ted Cruz presidency, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm Why like, not? I'm a slimy little dick, but, uh... <laughs> a slimy little sack of shit. But, uh... Who eats know. his own boogers. Did you see that video? I did. I did. <laughs> it was real gross. Anyway, what were we even talking about before Trump? Wonder Woman. Captain America. Marvel movies. Superheroes. Don't feel like heroes anymore. Yeah, they they just I like there was nothing in Spider Man that really kind of solidified the fact that he I'm was trying a superhero. To think of like a term that I want to use. Like there's this. There was nothing that elevated him into being a hero. There was no challenge that was presented to him that he had to sacrifice something in order to overcome. Right. If you look at the the uh, sacrifice was him not going to the dance, and that I don't care about that because you know what, like yeah, I guess that seems important in high school, but it's not important. At all. I didn't go to fucking Homecoming. I don't even remember what our Homecoming theme was. Well, I mean, there's that whole thing, too. Like, I, I hate to keep comparing it to the Raimi films, because this is just like comparing fucking The Dark Knight to Batman and Robin. But it's you look at Spider-Man 2, and you have that whole scene where his repertoire, or his, uh, his back and forth with uh, Otto Octavius in the beginning, and they have this whole discussion where, like... Um, Sometimes we have to let go of the things that we love in order to benefit humanity. And that comes back in the end, and he's talking to Otto Octavius, and, you know, Otto Octavius, like, sees, not the error of his ways, but essentially, yeah, the error of his ways, and he chooses to sacrifice himself because he has the whole thing where, like, yeah, it's I a moment not of die a monster. And it's, right. it's great. And you have that feeling that Peter has sacrificed the things in his life in order to save people. And it's those things that he that he wants, that he loves, that he needs in his life in order to continue living, that he's now giving up so that he can be the better man and save someone. Uh, and that was devoid from this movie. It didn't... I know, there was no dramatic heft to it. There was no investment. There was no emotional investment. There was no there substance was, to it. There yeah, was, it, it was, was hollow and it was kind of bland and it was boring as shit. And that's his, why I fucking left. His journey... I did not care about anything that he was doing. It just it didn't seem important. He wasn't saving people. He was trying to be good enough for Tony Stark. And there's nothing in the world that I care about less. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck that entire character at this point. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I, I mean, I don't really like Happy's character, but I'm really happy John Favreau is in it as much as he was. You know, I like I watched, John Favreau. I watched Chef. Is that the name of his movie? Yeah. It was good. Was it? It was just a... It wasn't like this this pretentious gem kind of like movie. It was just it was a movie about a guy that liked cooking, and I was like, I haven't watched that. No, I did, and I was like, oh, all this food looks really good. I think it, I think that John Favreau uh, probably likes food porn shows like The Cooking Network and stuff, where the 
make all this fancy because that's all this was was like well no there was there 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 was a story michael you motherfucker don't make fun of john favreau's weight like that to what wait what <laughs> You're not going to edit this and somehow make me look like the asshole here, are you? make you look like a white supremacist, which is funny because you're Asian. Oh, God, no. But they don't know that. They all know that. They know it now. Chef, go see it. I liked it. It's a nice little, uh... (sighs) That was like a grown-up movie, I guess. Because I think, like, who would be the audience for that? It's not me. It's not... It's not, like, like young adults. Yeah, it's got to be, like, middle-aged people would be the ones that are like, I want to go watch a movie about a guy who makes a food truck. Yeah. But it was it was very well done. Yeah. I don't know. Also set in movies. Miami. Fucking movies. Even in this Cuban food a lot. What are you, what's the next movie you're looking forward to? Oh, I saw It Comes at Night. Well, yeah, I don't know what that is. It, it sounds like the movie that they made up uh, on Half in the Bag where they're trying to like make up a modern horror movie. They're like, well, you need a simple title. You need a... Where they're making fun of... Uh, that thing where where the kid from room is hiding in the walls or something i don't know it was uh it was a new a23 release joel edgerton yeah i know i still don't know what this movie it was is. good i, I liked it it was a horror movie it was, a horror was movie. it scary no it was unsettling did it come at night it depends on while you're sleeping it depends on what all you're over asking. your face wait what what i think we're talking about different genres yeah <clears throat> yeah right that time Zach was here and we looked up spooky porn <laughs> what a wonderful pornographic subgenre that is uh, okay well this is this is it this is where we die now I don't know what are you looking forward to next I guess, like, Star Wars. I, I can't think of anything, like, that's not even on my radar. September. Oh, yeah? I'll yeah. go see that. I'm not, like, super excited about that, because I feel like... Is, uh... Is, uh... Vince Vaughn directing this one? Matthew Vaughn? No, Vince Vaughn. Uh, no, Matthew... From Vince Vaughn is not directing movies? this. No. Oh. It is Matthew Vaughn's first sequel. Oh, yeah, I remember us talking about that, because he never does sequels. Never does sequels. He also did Kick-Ass, didn't he? He did Kick-Ass, did not, not do Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2. Kick-Ass 2. He did X-Men First Class. Kick-Ass, very fine film. Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass is another thing. It's like, that follows the Marvel formula almost to a T, but that's more to do with the source material. And it was also commenting on, like, the Raimi Spider-Man movies in particular. But I felt like there was a moment of heroic sacrifice in that. Like, I felt like there were stakes. Even though it was just people, like, taking out the mob. They're not... I'd like... What everybody's writing this movie's dick for... Is the fact that it's he's a neighborhood friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's a neighborhood street level superhero is what they keep saying. Like they're not trying to save the world. I don't give a shit what they're trying to save. I just want there to be some sort of human element there. I want to feel things in a movie. Yeah. But I just didn't. I mean, look at Logan. Like that's a movie where like, what's your goal? What are the stakes there? Go to Canada. Yeah. Get this little girl to not die. I mean, that's, yeah, that's high stakes in terms of I don't do that on a day-to-day basis, but he's not saving the world. Um, And she'd probably do fine on her own. Yeah, but it was a compelling film. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's missing. Yeah, like the the scenes with uh, fucking Patrick Stewart and then, like, that scene where Patrick Stewart, spoilers, gets killed. 
uh, or what? Oh, right yeah, that, that was rough because you're like, oh shit, did he kill the X Men? Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, no, I th- well, he was behind like. Uh, uh, I don't necessarily know that he killed the X Men, but I think that like was the almost a nine eleven style. That's why they were hiding out was because he they were hunting for him. Yeah, he killed a lot of people. But yeah, like where did the X Men go? So. What a dark movie. Great movie. Very good. This is a takeaway. Just so, Millie Bobby Brown auditioned for that movie. Really? Interesting. Yeah. There was, a, there was a thing they were talking about that. I was like, that's funny, because it was the same little archetype. Well, I guess the takeaway <coughs> from this is fucking go see Logan. Yeah, go see Logan again. <laughs> go see that other go movie. Go see Baby Driver. Go see Baby Mama with. Um, no, that's a. No, that's not the same thing. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby Mama with Tina Fey. And Amy Poehler. Baby Driver and Logan. And, and Ghostbusters. Your your takeaway from uh, those I think are my two favorite films this year so far. Yeah, I mean I haven't seen that many movies this year to be honest with you. Well, there's really not been a lot of good things out, so. It's like. Let me see. We live in, like, the indie film exhibition capital of the world. I guess that was probably, you know, L.A. has us beaten that. But we have a lot more little uh, movies in the city that people don't, you know, get in their local multiplex in suburban America. But I never take advantage of it. I always just see these big, depressing blockbuster movies and want to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> not going to the fucking Angelica. That place sucks. <laughs> You're just like, oh, a new fucking Marvel movie? Oh, this is going to make me want to kill myself. It's going to suck. Let's hate it. I'm going to hate it so hard. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) There's that scene in BoJack Horseman where he's just like putting his hand on the stove and it's like nothing on the outside, nothing on the inside. (laughs) And that's you. Yeah, basically. That's that's how I watch movies. That's my life. Bro. What about TV? Is there anything interesting happening on television? Uh, not that I know of right now. People keep insisting that Game of Thrones is coming back, and I really don't care. Uh, I've been watching Common Rider Amazons, season two. Is no, it? it's not interesting to me. Okay, all right, fair. So you shut your mouth. Okay, all right, fair. Don't talk about stuff that you like. Oh, I don't care uh, about you and your life. Sure, all right. I That's care about myself. Valid point. Um... Oh, I haven't seen The Mist yet, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> you, Shh, you don't, no, don't say anything. No, it's incriminating. You stole no, property no. from the city of New York. <laughs> and it's sitting in your fucking room right now. It's huge. Michael stole a poster. What do you think? They're going to come after you? Like The NYPD doesn't give a shit about that. Um, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, I heard on a podcast. Oh, you heard on a podcast? Go fuck yourself, pal. <laughs> Go kill yourself right now, citizen. <laughs> Jump off a fucking bridge with your podcast. <laughs> Someone stole the Spike TV. <laughs> what is that? It's it's the Stephen King thing, right? No. They already made that into a movie. What's going on? They're making a series, I guess. You know, I guess it's in the series. pantheon of like Stephen King short stories that they want to you know work with, that one would make a good series. Because it's a very, like, I don't love the movie. I like the short story a lot. 
Um, but it's a very intimate story. It's just a small group of people. But like, this is a thing that descends upon the entire world, presumably. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you could do with that. Uh, have you seen the movie in black and white? No. There's a no. Black I wish that they shot it. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that they did, but I feel like even that's not really enough to make it quite what it should have been. And like I said, I like that movie. I love the fucking end of that movie. Yeah. Because it's, no, I, it's I, different than uh, the story. And Stephen King was like, oh, God, I wish that I wrote it that way because that was really well done. Um, tragic, um, even. Yeah, Wouldn't no, work in this because, like, if they're just coming out of nowhere and like, a, oh, we solved the problem with fire. There's there's a lot of movies where they're like, here's a black and white cut. And I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. The Mist is the only one where, like, there's a black and white cut. And one's like, better. Makes a movie better. Yeah, there are certain movies that I've seen that, like, like Rocky Horror Picture Show isn't shot in black and white, but it was supposed to be uh, the beginning of it was in black and white, and then when they get into the time warp sequence, it's supposed to be like Wizard of Oz and it goes into color. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that makes sense, and I've seen it that way, and I'm like, yeah, it plays better. Um, and I'm sure that the mist plays better too. I but just like don't really. Mad Max Fury Road, there's a black and chrome no, edition. That I sounds, don't. I disagree. I don't that, think it's a better. That film sounds tragic. Because um, what a beautifully fucking shot film. Yeah, the, I understand that that was his original. Like that's what he wanted yeah, to do. But I'm yeah, so happy that. I, that they talked him out of that because he made one of the most visually compelling films of the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and then there's apparently Logan Noir, which is a black and white copy of Logan, which I, I have not yet seen. Um, but I've seen makes sense, but... trailers and like pictures from it, and I'm not that compelled to watch it. But The Mist, definitely better in black and white. We'll say that. Yeah. A lot of people from Walking Dead in that movie. Yeah, it's like the whole cast from The Walking Dead is in that movie. Yeah, I watched like the first season or two of The Walking Dead. Uh while ago now, I was sick and I was like, "Oh, what am I gonna watch?" And then I finished um, uh, Black Mirror really fast because it's very short. Yeah, there's wonderful. What six episodes? Oh no, wait, there's a third season, isn't there? There's more in the third season than there are in, in any of the other ones because, like, British television, it's the same thing with Sherlock. They'll make like oh, you know a, a couple of episodes. Have here you and seen there. the uh, the trailer for um, Adam Wingard's Death Note? Oh, I have, yeah, as a matter of fact. Holy shit, like, Ryuk and that looks super creepy. Yeah, voiced by fucking... Perfect. Well, perfect oh. casting. Perfect casting on that. Um, everything else, like... It, it looks neat. Like, it looks well shot. Have you I'll heard a lot it. of the, the blowback from that? Uh, like, the typical racist yeah. shit? Yeah, and, like, the response was like, well, the story's set in Washington, so... Is it? I thought it was in New York. They shot it in New York. Did they really? Mm-hmm. I think, no, I think the, I think the story Julie takes Schubert place in Seattle, it. Washington, is where the story's taking place. Speaking of Julie Schubert casting things, I need to stop shit-talking Marvel because they shoot a lot of shit in this town. I'm just going to delete this whole podcast. <laughs> I try to be fair with Marvel. Like, but here's the thing about Marvel. It's like, I don't think that my, you know, dislike of it is coming from an unfounded place. Like, I want them to be better than they are. And I mean, it's like, what, what, what am I going to take away from them? They're the biggest thing in the world. And what are you? Nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. It's okay. Nah. But uh, Death Note, what were you going to say about it? Um, no, just it looks interesting. I'm excited to see They it don't like, like... Okay, what I'll say, um, I guess in defense of internet racists, well, cause, cause if they were saying like, because they're pissed off about L being black, right? I, yeah, I think so. But They're pissed off about the black person in the movie. Well... The thing is, like, they're mad, like, where is the cast not Asian? Um, I think they should have cast L as in Asian, because if you're going to do, like, the diversity thing anyway, like, 
he was half Japanese, half French in that movie. So let's get a half Japanese person. Why not? Well, because um, I know... Plus in Washington, you could have made the whole movie Asian. It's the West Coast. David Wingard was talking about uh, when they were adapting the, the material, they're like, well, we have to look at it from like an international perspective and like, what do these themes mean within sure. the U.S.? Sure. And yeah. So oh, from you, know, that. you just made a very good point. Yeah. That I so, didn't think of. So he's saying, like, you know, a lot of these themes are addressed in the anime, which I, I, full disclosure, have not seen the anime. I haven't seen the anime. I've seen, like, the, I've read a little bit of the mangoes, and I've seen the... always ask me from fucking cosplaying as that one character from the show, and I... It's only when you wear the one shirt, you kind of look like him. But I have six pairs of that one fucking shirt. So I look like him a lot. Sounds like uh, your, your own problem, and it's of your own doing. Anyways, um... Are you cosplaying as an Asian? It's really good makeup. (laughs) Anyways. Almost believable. Oh, anyways. Um, yeah, I, I really like um, Adam Wingard's last film, The Guest. Love it. You haven't seen it yet. It's great. No. Check it out. Is Watch it The Guest. On, that, uh, on Netflix? I think it still is. Yeah, this is a Netflix movie. Yeah, I'm excited. Wait, what what in particular was the themes that he was looking to address that I would justify? Because I, I would say that, like, because Japanese culture, um, they're very welcoming to outsiders who are visiting. But once you live there, from what I understand, there's a little bit of a stigma, and it used to be a lot worse than it is, because most traditional Asian cultures, they're very, very conservative. Um, happens in Korea a lot, too. They're not racist in the same way that we're racist, but they're very xenophobic. Uh, so I would assume that the uh, thing that they were addressing is that L is half not Japanese in the in the thing. I have no idea. I didn't. I don't know if they got into that much detail in their article that they had in Collider. Um, it does look mad funny seeing him like sitting like L, um, not because of his race or anything, just like in live action that looks so ridiculous. Where the way he's sitting in the chair, like he's squatting mm-hmm. and he's like eating sweets, I'm like. Well, what? Interesting. They're adapting, I guess, the entire anime into the one two-hour film. Yeah, um, well, they already did that with the original Japanese film. But what they said was uh, one of the aspects they really wanted to keep is, I guess, this game of cat and mouse between the two of them. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's, yeah. like, the whole point. Yeah, so. I don't know. I'm excited to see it. I'll watch it when it comes out. Yeah, I think it, well, they didn't show Ryuk in focus. They only show him kind of, like, lurking. But it's creepy. And that's the biggest problem I have with the live-action movie and the Japanese version of it. Um, the Japanese, CGI is not there. Japanese CGI is terrible. Like, I don't know why it's so bad. But particularly, this was, you know... I don't remember if it was late 90s or early 2000s, but it was definitely a long time ago. There's so it really, looks bad. There's a really cool poster out for it. There's, like, I've that scene this. where they're sitting in the cafe. Okay, I like the way he looks. He's a little bit differently designed. Um... But yeah, Willem Dafoe for that perfect, 100% perfect. Uh, God, I've seen like cosplay of him. It's usually really bad, but I do remember one. That's a beautiful shot. Like I love that shot, but it looks so funny that he's squatting. I like the neon. Yeah, you you you'd like the guest. You should watch the guest. It's the kid from the Naked Brothers Band. Yeah, I'm excited for this movie. Netflix. That comes out what August. Yeah, no, it's Netflix, so I don't know the release schedule. Yeah, I, I just feel like they just released shit. I think it comes out mid-August. It's like, surprise! Yeah. Next time you're on the computer, maybe people, you'll see this. People are speculating that uh, at their Netflix's panel at San Diego Comic-Con in these upcoming weeks that they're going to just screen it. Oh, yeah, San Diego's coming up. 
Wait, they just have like a Netflix panel? Yeah. Dedicated to that's a that's a big panel then. Stranger Things doesn't get its own panel. I'm not sure. Color me shocked. Maybe at New York Comic Con this year. They haven't said anything. But probably. Also remember the Javits They've been doing the con circle like a lot. Also remember the Javits Center is gonna be like half its size this year. And for the next three years. Oh good. Because, well, that's the one Did thing that I always that? hated about New York Comic Con was there was just way too much space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way too much space and too few people. Yeah. The lines were not long enough. And, you know, what are they just going to, like, move it out into the city? Like, they've been kind of dipping their foot in the water? Well, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to condense it anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, the whole area where Artist Alley is and, like, the long hallway leading up to that? Right. Yeah, it's under construction. And it will be under construction for the next three years. I don't think that'll change a whole... Well... Where are all those artists going to go? Well, they'll find a place. Like, I, I don't think that they're just going to condense it into is, the... Where? It's not going to be in the Javits Center. Like I said, they're going to have to move it out into the city. It's going to be in this hotel. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. They're doing stuff at, like, the Hammerstein all the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, they'll move it to MSG, they'll do the Hammerstein, they'll probably, is it, God, what are the other, like... MSG, they had. Yeah. I saw the John Wick Power Rangers panel at MSG. That was a weird combination. Were they in the same panel? Yeah, it was the same panel. Like, Keanu was there no, with the Power Rangers? No, they did one, then the next one. Oh, that's what I was hoping, was that they were actually combined. No, it was, they did the Power Rangers oh, panel. Oh, that so interesting to watch. I want to know what Keanu's thoughts on the Power Rangers. I bet he has interesting things I, I, to say. I bet he loves it. No, he I, probably I, does. Listen, I bet there's nothing Keanu doesn't love. Whoa. Keanu Reeves is Except a... Except that sandwich that one time. He was real beautiful sad. beautiful man. Yeah. Fascinating person. Also a vampire, like um, Nicolas Cage. And or Buddha. Probably the same thing. Probably the same thing. Buddha was a vampire, right? I, you, know, you know, you're Asian, I, right? I'm, well, Buddha was not Asian. He was Indian. India is in motherfucking Asia, you stupid fuck. Where do you think India is? What, did you think it was in South America? No, it's it's South India. Asia. Huh? Yeah, South Asia. There you go. It's the Fucking Indian Zach thought Africa. he was Zach thought Buddha was Japanese, and I'm like, no, buddy, that's wrong. His name was Siddhartha. That's not a Japanese name? No, it is not. There's lots of Japanese flavors of Buddhism. Some of them are really scary. Like those guys that um, embalm themselves while they're still alive. Do you know about that? I think wasn't that in Vietnam? No, that's self-immolation. Um, that's where they burn themselves alive. No, this is even worse. Uh, they start, like, ingesting this, this, like, I think it's a tree wax or some kind of a sap that okay. they use in, like, embalming. Like, you know what embalming is. It's after you're dead and they want to preserve you. Okay. Well, they start doing this while they're alive. Okay. And just, like, little by little, <laughs> they're dying and dying. And then it's like they're mummifying themselves alive. And then, like, their corpses are preserved for hundreds of years. It's fucked up, Michael. It is so like that seems well, pretty anti-Buddhist to me. Thank you for joining us me. on this another exciting edition for Off Time Jive. I'm Tyler Andrew Pino, and I've enjoyed yelling at my microphone about fucking Marvel movies. Get also, I'm Michael Holland. Uh, okay, say that again. Also, I'm Michael Holland. Get out of my house. <laughs>